What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we've got a couple random tidbits of sports betting news to get into. So let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. All right, special thanks to Sportsbet MVP, one of the best online sports books out there. Get your money in easy, get your money out easy. Lots of great lines for pretty much every single game in every single sport, and you can build your own props. Guys, there's really nothing wrong with sportsbetmvp.ag. As a matter of fact, we always talk about the benefit of adding more and more sports books, and I highly recommend adding Sportsbet MVP if you want to start making more money today. Online, sportsbetmvp.ag. Give them a follow on Twitter as well, at sportsbet underscore MVP. All right, on today's show, like I said, going to talk about uh, just some random sports betting news, right? We've got a big show coming up tomorrow, our NFL picks for the weekend. But on today's show, uh, just going to hit some things we missed this week. A little tidbit here, a little bit there, and uh, let's get right in. So uh, DraftKings announced they are partnering with the New York Giants. I've said this before, but I want to restate this because I think it's so important. These new domestic books, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, you know, BetMGM, FoxBet, right? Domestic meaning they're legal in the United States and likely nowhere else. They're not doing a good job spending their money, in my opinion. Now, hey, these owners of these multi-million dollar companies, multi-billion in some cases, they know what they're doing. I'm not saying that. They have experience. They've probably you know, been in management positions in several different companies in their lives. That's, that's great. But when you run a sports book, it's not like any other business. You've got to make sure you're doing the right things right before everything else can come to fruition. Now, what, what I mean here is F- FanDuel... DraftKings and BetMGM. They're kind of in this three-way marketing battle, right? Spending millions of dollars, in some cases tens of millions of dollars, to be relevant, to be on TV, on radio, for us to know where they are. And the reason this is, it makes sense. The more clients these sports books get, the more money they make, right? They want you to be a part of their sports book. That's why they give bonuses and sign-up bonuses and promotions and free bets and all this stuff to get you guys to go bet there because they want you to say... You know, they want you to tell your buddies at work, hey, do you see so-and-so sportsbook is offering 100% bonus? Well, yeah, you put in 100, you get 100 back. Or, hey, I just got a free bet on this website. Or, hey, I got this promotion, right? These sportsbooks dress up these promotions to make it seem like they're doing you a favor, giving you money, letting you get a free bet here or there. Really, in the long run, all these sportsbooks care about is making more money on you, right? And you can tell, especially on BetMGM, that... What's happening is these sports books are not getting better at handicapping. They're getting worse at handicapping. They're just getting better at marketing. Now, minus 110, okay, the VIG, that's very tough to beat. Almost impossible. We talk about that all the time. So what happens is any, any moron, any idiot off the street can start a sports book, right? They charge minus 110 on each side and they sit back and wait. History shows charging minus 110 on each side is profitable for the sports book. 99.7% of people can't beat minus 110. But on top of that, if you take that minus 110 and all of a sudden make it minus 120, like some places, <clears throat> bet MGM, have done, that says to me one thing. They're not winning money at minus 110, Right? They are losing money in an essentially, in pretty much a situation that's impossible for them to lose money. So what do they do? They don't hire better bookmakers. They just charge more. So instead of minus 110 on each side, go look at MG, BetMGM, a live game. There's a lot of qualifiers today for Europa League soccer. 
Go look live and see what they're charging. I promise you, a lot of the derivatives, a lot of the off, like not main market bets, they're not going to be minus 110 on each side. You're going to find minus 125 on, on one side and minus 112 on the other side. You think minus 110 is hard to beat, minus 125 and minus 112 is even harder to beat. So that says to me, they're getting worse. They're not doing good at what they need to be doing good at, right? Sportsbooks should focus on one thing, hiring good bookmakers, hiring good handicappers. After that, everything else should fall into place. I mean, you shouldn't have to offer 200% sign-up bonuses or free bets or all these promotions these sportsbooks are offering just to get customers in. You know what a good sportsbook does? You know, create good lines, offer a good hold, and the customers will come to you, right? This whole idea that spending on you know, TV ads and radio ads and getting in sports stadiums and like DraftKings, partnering with the New York Giants, they think this is going to lead to more business. When in the long run, it will lead to more short-term business. But what's going to happen in five years when these bonuses dry out? When that promotion money runs out? And they have to now compete with everyone else who's doing a good job in this market. And I promise you, the more this becomes mainstream in America, the more that people become used to betting and the more sports books that pop up, BetMGM's not going to be able to get away with it, charging 125 and 112. DraftKings and FanDuel won't be able to get away with it. Now, here's the thing is, out of all those sports books, DraftKings for sure is the best. They offer the best lines, best holds, best prices, get your money out easiest. They, they offer lots of live lines. Uh, BetMGM offers the worst holds, right? They're going to charge 125 and 112 on each side, but they're still going to offer a decent amount of bets. At least they're offering lines and offering bets, even though BetMGM's ripping you off. They're still offering games. FanDuel completely takes a different approach. FanDuel protects themselves by just not even by just not offering lines at all. Now, if you bet a major uh, major market like the NFL, you're going to be able to bet the spread, the halftime spread, maybe even a couple derivatives here or there, but they're not going to offer 75% of the normal bets bettors are used to getting in terms of derivatives, prop bets, things like that. FanDuel just doesn't offer it. Matter of fact, on the show, we always like to talk about different soccer leagues, right? Now, I know some of you guys don't love soccer or whatever, but the point is there's a lot of soccer leagues out there, right? There's the English Premier League, which is like the most famous, but did, did you know that under the English Premier League in England, there's three other leagues, that's a lot of soccer going on and a lot of soccer that we bet. Well, as I learned when I signed up at FanDuel, you can't even bet those sports. I can't even bet any soccer games on a lower level than the Premier League. So FanDuel doesn't even do a bet. At least BetMGM is offering games, offering lines. FanDuel's like, yeah, you want those, you can go somewhere else. Hey, you want to bet the NFL or the NBA? You come here, though. Why do you think that is? It's because the NBA and NFL are so liquid in terms of the markets and the amount of money in them. They know that those lines are sharp. Hey, we're, it's low risk for FanDuel. And when I see a FanDuel not offering live lines or really bad live lines or just not letting you bet on a certain sport at all, it's like, oh my God, between DraftKings partnering now with the New York Giants, and again, DraftKings does the best with the money they have, between FanDuel not offering lines, between MGM being so expensive, it's like, I want these sports books to stop spending on bullshit and start getting better handicappers. Because here's the thing, if BetMGM hires better handicappers, that means it's, it's better for me because it's cheaper to bet with them, and I still have my edge because I'm confident in my ability over any of these bookmakers, right? And I mean, this is probably for a different show, but 
bookmakers are not good sports bettors. I promise you guys, if a bookmaker could bet sports, they would quit their job and bet sports. Bookmakers are all, it's like a collection of failed sports bettors. It's a bunch of guys who love sports betting, who couldn't have done it on their own. Okay, I think of uh, Chris Andrews comes to mind, okay? He works at the South Point in Las Vegas. He's recently written a book. He's one of the more famous handicappers. And you learn a lot about this guy from reading his his uh, story, from reading his book, from following him on social media, right? This guy's not a handicapper. This guy's not good at betting sports. He knows about betting sports. He knows about good lines. He knows how to run a book. He knows hand, how to handle money management. He knows how to manipulate the lines, right? But all of those don't mean you're a good sports better. Anyone who knows a little bit about winning in sports betting, just a little bit, can run a sports book. But almost everyone who runs a sports book cannot bet sports. So if the sports books hire better handicappers, you may think, Tyra, that's not good for you. You got better people going against you, right? It's you against them, as you always talk about. Why would you want them to be better? And the reason is because these books bet online, or shoot, bet, bet, online, uh, bet I'm Jim, FanDuel, DraftKings, they're just starting to charge more. And I see the trajectory of, the, of, of sports betting going one of two ways. More people take this model and go, hey, look, BetMGM's doing it. Why don't we charge minus 120? That's what I'm terrified of. And that could happen. Fortunately, I think the more likely thing is they get priced out in terms of BetMGM, right? New people are going to come into this sports betting market and they're going to say, hey, we're offering minus 110. They're offering minus 125. Who are you going to bet with? And I think that's the real future. But in terms of DraftKings, partnering with the MG, with uh, uh, New York Giants, all the millions of dollars that, that BetMGM has spent recently on marketing, the fact that FanDuel is now getting involved, it just, it's not good. And I see these companies, in my opinion, doing things the wrong way. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, speaking of sports books, the Barstool betting app opens in Pennsylvania this week. And I'm asking a favor. I want to know from all my Pennsylvania listeners. I know I got Pennsylvania listeners out there. I see the stats. I want you guys to contact me. And let me know what you think of it. Is it easy to use the app? Is it easy to use the website? What sports do they offer, right? Are they offering English championship games? And I'd also like to know what the live lines are like. We just talked about BetMGM ripping people off live. I want to know what Barstool does. So I'm really interested to see, you know, they could take the square approach. They could charge a ton and it could be unfair. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate here, but I am asking one request. Contact me on uh, social media, Twitter preferred. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Tyler Walge. That's spelled at Tyler W-A-L-J-E. You can find us at Sharp Angle Pod. That's the show's Twitter account. Uh, either one. Or you can always uh, email me, uh, Tyler at WoozMedia.com. That's Tyler at W-O-O-Z-E media.com. Let me know what you think of the Barstool betting app. I'm really interested to know. It opens only in Pennsylvania this week. All right, a couple things to go before we wrap today up. The, uh, the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning play tonight. It's game six. We're not going to give a handicap. I don't love either side on that. I think the market's been very accurate with those games. And, and just so you guys know, the more we get close, the, the closer we get to a championship in any sport, the sharper the lines are going to be because the bookmakers just have less to do, right? On, an, on a college basketball day where there's a hundred college basketball games going on, they simply don't have the time to comb through every game and make sure every line's sharp, right? In the NHL, where there's one game going on, 
every night and it's the Eastern Conference Finals, those lines are going to be sharper, right? And I agree. I think the market has been extremely efficient and extremely sharp the last couple of weeks, especially in this series in the the Islanders and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. The way that the market has dealt with injuries, with the change of momentum game to game. I mean, I, I just think that the market's been spot on. So no handicap for tonight's game, but I do want to mention what's going on in the West. The Dallas Stars clinched their spot in the Stanley Cup final, I think it was five or six days ago. By time the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders finish their series, which could, if it goes to Game 7, extend all the way to this weekend, Sunday or so, it is plausible that Dallas would not have played a game in over a week and a half, potentially approaching two weeks. Guys, the Dallas Stars are in a situation that is not good for the Dallas Stars. (laughs) <laughs> the Dallas star. I feel like I'm going third person there with Dallas. It's like the James Cameron on South Park. James Cameron does not do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. Okay. But anyway, Dallas's layoff is not good. What we've seen so far in the playoffs, both hockey and basketball, layoffs aren't good. Now, typically we may think, hey, they're resting up. It's a physical game. They, the rest will help. And to a degree, you're correct. But at some point that dries up and then rust becomes a factor. And again, what we've seen in the NBA and the NHL, teams who have momentum coming off of a long series, they usually do well early in the next series. So if you play a seven-game series, it's not a negative that, hey, they must be worn out from that seven-game series. If anything, from what we've seen, it's a positive because they have that momentum there. They, they, they feel like it's sort of, uh, they can keep it going. They want to get back on the ice. And in this bubble in both basketball and hockey, there's no distractions. There's nothing else going on. There's nothing to take their mind away from the game once it's over. So theoretically, you know, whether it's the Islanders or the the Maple Leafs, uh, or the Maple Leafs, the the Islanders, the Lightning, whoever wins this series, you're going to hear a lot of this. Well, they just played a long, grueling series. Dallas is going to have the edge because they're tired. And I disagree with that narrative. I think it should be whether it's the Islanders or Lightning, this team is hot. They just got done playing. They're still warmed up while Dallas has been sitting. Now, Dallas has been practicing, obviously, but it's much different. And I just wanted to note that because I feel like it's going to be a major narrative that Dallas is rested and ready to go when my narrative will be completely opposite, that Dallas's layoff is going to create rust. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, again, Tampa Bay could win tonight. Islanders could win tonight. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying Dallas's layoff is not good for the Stars. And my last thing today on today's show, it's just a little note that I wrote down this weekend watching the NFL. And it's something that I feel like should be brought up way more than it is. I honestly can't believe no one talks about this or I never hear about it. And it's been an issue for years in the NFL. Can anyone guess? I'll give you guys like 10 seconds to guess the one thing that NFL referees do. And I'll give you a clue that NFL referees do that no one talks about that I think over the course of a game or a season greatly impacts the outcome of what we see. Anybody want to guess? It's the referees spotting the football. I saw this weekend, at least where I counted, a dozen times where a referee, in my estimation, right, from watching on TV, and so let's be careful here. I'm not saying I'm completely right, they're completely wrong. I'm just saying that it felt like there were at least 12 times that I wrote down where a referee was off by like a half yard. And a lot of those times, it was for a first down, right? Instead of first and 10, we're looking at second and one, third and one, fourth and one, right? This is crazy to me. 
how a sport that stresses getting it right and stresses replay and it's all about changing the rules so we know what a catch is and all of this. Yet, they don't get something which I think should be so simple, a correct spotting of the football. I mean, I bet, and this is all just speculation, I bet referees in football, both college and the NFL, spot the ball incorrectly over 80% of the time. Now, incorrect may mean off by a couple inches, right? That's fun. That, that, that still means incorrect. I'm saying that with the technology we have today and with the, the what seems outrage every time something goes wrong on the field or any call is off or any call is wrong or it's the referee, the referee, the referee, but no one talks about how poor they are at spotting the football. And again, with all the technology today, don't you think there could be an easy, quick way for them to spot the football? I mean, I don't I don't have a, right, right, an immediate solution, but I mean, for God's sakes, give me one person in front of a TV and then they're watching and, 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 and they can electronically judge where the ball is and then they, you know, signal down to the, to the referee on the field. It's at the 57th yard line and whatever, right? Because they'll have a more accurate way to mark it. Now, th- there's, there's got to be like, like 50 ways to do this. But the fact that no one's talking about it no one brings it up. These referees are just like these old men stumbling. I see. <laughs> How often do you see like a guy like go to market and he like stumbles a little bit or gets hit by a player and just tries to like walk back to where he was? It's the most inefficient, ridiculous. It's almost funny, right? Now, I'm sure it would be a lot less funny if I had more money on the NFL, but it, it's, 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 it's almost comical how much, how up in arms people get, right? I mean, about, you know, uh, uh, baseball umpires missing calls, soccer referees calling penalty kicks when it shouldn't be, NBA. We, we all love yelling about NBA refs. Everyone's got something to say about an NBA referee. But for some reason, the NFL will yell at them for all different kinds of stuff. But when it comes to spotting a football, something that greatly impacts either team and directly impacts either team. I mean, look, if you add up throughout the course of a season how 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 incorrect these footballs are spotted now again just an estimation just a hunch just speculation but i am i assume we would be getting on the grounds of like a hundred yards per referee throughout the course of a season that's a lot that is a ton as a matter of fact in football bill belichick was quoted a couple years ago as saying every 10 yards when you're driving should theoretically statistically be looked at as one point right? For every 10 yards you gain throughout the course of a game, you should get roughly one point. Well, if these referees are spotting a ball 100 yards off throughout the course of a season, what does that mean for the points being distributed, right? And I'm not saying these referees, by spotting it an inch here, inch there, are are, are affecting a game by game, but I saw several times this weekend where a, a, a first down turned into a third and one, or a first down turned into a third and inches, and then they had to end up punting, right? And it's just, there needs to be more, more homework done on this. And I can't wait until I get my data science degree, you know, here in March and I can dive into this myself because I have an, a, an idea that once I do a deep dive, I don't know, I'm not even how you would do it, right? I'm not sure how I would go about getting that data because data doesn't exist for the true spot and the referee spot. But do me a favor, watch, the, watch an NFL game, watch an NCAA game. Look at how off these old guys are, right? And that's the thing, referees, like the average age in the NFL referee, I don't know, it's probably like mid-50s. Like these, they, uh, do these guys all have 20-20 vision? Like they're not athletes, they don't see well, but they're just, but spotting a football three inches short, oh, well, let's bring the chains out. <laughs> you know, it's so antiquated in a sport that stresses 
being up on top of things, technology, and getting it right. So I just saw that this weekend and I had to say something and write it down. It's like, what what's going on here? Why is no one talking about this? So all right, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Good luck with what you got today. And stay tuned. Tomorrow, we will make our NFL picks for the weekend. We'll talk to you then on The Sharp Angle.